Hey guys, welcome to the Live Live Play podcast powered by the Brand X Method. We have partnered up with the Brand X Method to bring you a lot of content and a lot of information on youth fitness and how to become uh, good coaches, uh, understanding children's wellness, uh, uh, mental health, physical health, emotional health. Uh, and we have a lot of great shows lined up for you. Uh, that will be powered and inspired by the Brandex Method. On today's show, we are talking about sports specialization. And I have none other than co-founder Jeff Martin, who has over 30 years of experience working with youths, uh, 20 years working in the functional fitness realm, and literally is one of, a, he's a pioneer, but also one of the um, most educated and just generally really good people on this planet that are helping youths understand that there's more to them and helping them build mental resilience. Um, as we start the show, we're just getting straight into the conversation. Um, so bear with us. You'll be catching up. The start of this conversation will be uh, about injuries that are happening in youths and how we can deal with that. Please, guys, if you love the show uh, and are a fan, Definitely uh, give us a like, a thumbs up, leave us a good comment, and don't forget to subscribe. And as I said, we're going to be having lots more content coming your way uh, from the Live Lift Play podcast every single week and powered by the Brand X Method. Enjoy the show. You're listening to the Live Lift Play podcast, powered by the Brand X Method, world leaders in youth strength and conditioning. But it's a good starting point, I think, for us to talk about sport I mean, yeah. and what's going on in sport and why, um, you know, the, 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 the travails that we see happening um, with sports specialization and, and yeah. injury and things like that. And, and um, let me start by asking you a question. Yeah. Um, what, could you know the, uh, the injury rate, the, the percentage of kids or the, the rise in injury rate um, requiring Tommy John surgery in Ireland. Uh, I I don't I don't think there right. is a big one. Right, so let's, let's talk. Any, yeah. that, that's, that's a great starting point for us. So, okay. um, Tommy John surgery in Ireland is non-existent. Yeah, and yet in, in the U.S., it's it's uh, increased in the last uh, ten years. It's increased by five hundred percent in children between the ages of twelve and nineteen, and and it is. So Tommy John surgery only happens with kids who are who pitch too much or throw too much and end up injuring their arm. It's simple. It, it is such a simple um, illustration of overuse injury in in sport and the, the the ills of what's going on in sport. When I say when I talk to somebody from outside the U.S. and I say, "Hey, what's Tommy John surgery like in your country?" You're going like, "I don't even know what Tommy John surgery is." Um, and and it's because you don't have a sport where you're taking a taking a six year old, yeah, having them do that same sport over and over again, increasing the, the time during the year that they play that sport, and increasing the amount of um, specialization that happens. And that's what happens in baseball here in the yeah. U.S. It happens in soccer, baseball, um, generally football. Those are the big three here in the U.S. But we have specific injuries that we see coming out of those sports 
that used to only happen at the at the um, uh, at the uh, professional level. Yeah. And now you're seeing, you know, eight year olds getting Tommy John surgery. Well, how crazy is that? Well, that, that that's it, and that's kind of like um, it's kind of like on, our, on the the first kind of part of the question is like I was like saying like sports are a great way for children to learn to meet people from camaraderie uh, understand discipline but there is a dark side to sports uh, which is too often overlooked and as you said I, we spoke about this before and I know you spoke about the seminar is that you show us the ad of the family and the kid in crutches the girl with the ACL terror well, assuming an ACL knee uh, terror or something and only in Ireland, actually, last month in October, I seen an ad for health insurance where there is a girl having surgery or just out of surgery for, from sport because mm -hmm. that's the norm now. And we are seeing that in Ireland a little bit more. So from your, like, obviously from your history, uh, like just from your experience, the dark side of sports is... As much as like I don't like I I condone sports. It's like I think it's great, and we all should play a multi-sport. But there is a there is a dark side to it that no one really gets told about. Well, there is, and I think that first of all, let's let's start because both you and I support sport. You you have a sporting background. I have a long sporting background. You know, we came out of the martial arts, which is you know, and that's our you know that's our that's our history. That's our background. Uh, we encourage kids to play sport, but like you said, multiple sports. Mm. And, you know, I know your gym turns out excellent, um, excellent athletes and has, you know, athletes competing at the top, top levels in your, in your country for youth sports. Mm. But what you do is the basis of that. You build children who can then take advantage of that strength in whatever sport that they're, they're in. You teach kids how to move well so they can take sports and move and um, do well in a sport. But what I want to do, when we, whenever we start down a, a, a topic like this, it's best for us to make sure that people understand that, that we support kids being in a sport. We yeah, we're not, we're not, we're not anti-sports in any way. Shape right. Form. But, but what happens is we start down this, this, down this topic and the first thing people go like, well, they're anti-sport. We're not. In fact, what we do is to build kids so that they can be better at their sport and, yeah. and, and take and take and, and be involved in as many sports as possible and be safer in sport. Um, I love the, the saying that uh, what we do makes kids stronger, faster, more durable. And that is applied to their sport. So having said that, what we're seeing now is, is kind of a confluence of, uh, of a lot of, a lot of things um, in that, you know, let's say the rise of screen time where kids yeah. are no longer playing outside. And then we're seeing, so, so that's taking away from their natural movement and their natural ability to inter inter interface and, and, and do a lot of different movement. Um, and then we have on, this, on the other side of that, we have a sporting culture that is driving professionalization earlier and earlier with kids. So, so we'll have, um, you know, coaches talking to six year olds over here, coaches talking to six year olds saying, um, you know, if you want to play in high school, you're probably going to need to pick soccer as your only sport, you know, when you're six yeah. or seven years old. Yeah. And that's dangerous. And, and it is um, dangerous because it, it confines the kid to a single track. There's only certain movements in that sport and that's what the mm -hmm. kids gets good at. And, um, uh, all of the, you know, kind of 
two tracks. Number one, that it confines their movement. Number two, it we're seeing the rise in injuries. We can kind of directly track to these to this uh, professionalization, uh, and um, uh, uh, research is now so saying things. Uh, there was a recent article by Avery Fagenbaum, and the title of the study was "Your Kids Are Not Strong Enough to Play Sport." Yeah. Um, and then there, so there's there's uh, the rise in injuries, and then there's the research that shows that the kids who do specialize, number one. Um, never hit their genetic potential and number two uh, coaches at the at the upper levels in the in the university or college level are looking for multi-sport athletes to play to to uh, to bring onto their teams Um, so this trend i guess the overall topic then the the trend of this professionalization this this picking a sport single sport and doing that single sport is is something we're seeing uh, we have been seeing rise for the last 10 to 15 years and from that outcome what we're seeing is is uh, things that are detrimental to kids long term yeah and i again and then leading on into like so that we see it here in ireland already we see it in uh, football um i i've seen a fair bit in football I, I i'm dealing with it with basketball i'm dealing with like 14 15 16 year olds with bad knees bad hips bad backs and it's like growing pains of actually it's not um an example we had a camp and one of the girls is like oh I'm, i i'm not i can't squat because of my knees and i was like well show me what you do and the squat mechanics like the girl was very athletic she was fit. She, I think she was 15 years of age, but when she squatted, she got pain in her knees. So we showed her how to squat properly. And guess what? She had no pain in her knee. And I was like, who taught you to squat? Oh, well, nobody. I was like, exactly. So what do you expect? But the, the other thing I wanted to kind of lead to was that when you specialize a child, and we, again, this is coming from uh, a conversation we had before and mentally then, if they're the best, the best, the best at 12, 13, eventually, firstly, if they don't burn out and get bored of the sport, they're going to then not be the best. And to a 13, 14 year old, when you've been the best since you're six, so you've had a training age of six years, and then you're no longer the top dog, like mentally, emotionally, that's detrimental to a child. Sure. And if they've been told they're the best, from the time they're six to the time they're 13, they've never really developed resiliency. Yes. Kids need, you know, and that's one of the things I love about Brandix gyms is you can, um, beyond teaching how someone how to squat and beyond making them safe when they turn, when they hinge, what we teach is, uh, you know, these hugely important character traits, the resiliency. So a child who is good at running may not be great at, at, at you know, at pulling off the ground. Yeah. So he's got to work hard at that. The kid who's, who pulls off the ground grade may not be great at running and he's got to kind of learn to accept that and learn that he's got to work hard at those things. That's hugely important. It, you know, in the U S um, one of our, uh, one of our uh, guys who writes for us, Dan Edelman was talking to me uh, a couple of years ago about something I had no idea that, that there are forums, internet forums where young players are ranked. So in baseball, so you get a 11 year old and he's ranked, you know, I'm the you know, 10th best catcher in the U.S. at 11 mm-hmm. years old. And number one, that's horrible. 
because this kid is now going like, you have no idea. Maybe he grew quickly and he's the biggest kid at 10 yeah. years old or 11 years old. Um, and he's never going to grow again. And so now, you know, and this is horrible to rank kids like this and to have them have a perception of themselves as ranked or something at, at that age. And, and secondarily, the, the mindset of a parent to start to allow his child to be ranked like that and then there's these parents apparently who get on and, and, and argue about the rankings. And oh my, what's that say about parents involved with the whole thing? That's, that's the kind of, I remember watching that show, uh, Trophy, Trophy Kids. Oh, Trophy Kids, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. That was Chris brilliant. Bell. Yeah. Um, I brought tears to my eyes, seriously. Yeah. It, was, uh, it was horrible watching what was going on. And it's parents living through their kids. Like it's living right. their failed athletic um, triumphs or they're trying to relive it. And it's not about them. And I was like, I always said, like, obviously, like, I, you, 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 your boys are all grown up. And I know Duncan's gone from multi-sport to multi, like, pretty much walk into anything and does very well at it. Um, but like, if my son doesn't want to weight lift, well, he he will know how to lift weights. But if he doesn't, if he decides, hey, dad, I want to be a ballerina, I'm gonna okay, that's what you want to do. Uh, but right. we'll train you to be the best ballerina. And then if you decide you want to move on then we'll be okay with that too because it's your life, not mine. And as much as I'd like you to go possibly play rugby or basketball, you mightn't like those sports. Like I grew up in a football household and I didn't want to play football or soccer. So um, it was kind of looked down on. And when I wanted to play basketball, I was like, why would you want to play this sport? I was like, because I enjoy it. And that's the mentality I think we need to, like parents need to kind of look at a bit more. And I really think that, uh, you know, not some, I want to, Two stories. One, you mentioned Duncan and kind of how he went through, uh, you know, played rugby in high school, pole vaulted in high school, walked onto the um, cheer team and um, made a uh, varsity university cheer team his uh, freshman year. And last year they placed fifth in the country on, on you know, their, whatever they do for the competition. Yeah. But he sent me, an e he sent me a video uh, last night and he said like, hey, I, I've been... Um, <clears throat> going to a rock climbing gym and I was well that's that's cool I mean he weighs 200 pounds he's a, he's a big kid now and he's and he's so I'm, he sent me a video and he's going up this rock climbing and goes up and kind of gets to a um to a to a to a angled shelf mm -hmm. and all of a sudden he leaps off the shelf grabs the thing and I'm like what you look like a professional rock climber <laughs> what the heck it's like the most ridiculous thing in the world go <laughs> I just decided to do that. Well, yeah. okay. Um, but that's what we're trying to build. I got a, another email. Um, you met her, uh, Sophie. Yeah. An email last, last night from, um, from or a text from Sophie. And she said, hey, Coach Jeff, I'm not going to be able to do, uh, we had some plans for over the summer for do some things. And, I, and she said, um, I've decided to ride my bike across the country with a group of, of students here. Okay. And yeah, okay. Um, you know you're not a bike rider, right? Yeah, it's no problem. But that's the kind of success, or that's how we measure success yeah. as a brand X, uh, as a brand X coach, and how you should, you know, like I, I think Sophie's parents should measure measure success that way too. Sophie walked onto her university, never having rowed, and made the the rowing team at her university. And that was um, by for anyone listening, that was at MIT. Was it MIT? Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't just any university. It was MIT. No, That's a big, no, it's, it's a big, big dog. Like, 
Right. And so I guess what I'm saying is kind of, kind of as a bolstering your point, it doesn't matter what, what sports our kids play. They, they need to be um, confident, competent yes. to, and motivated to play a sport. And, and then, and then when they want, they pick a sport, that's awesome. But our job is to, to provide them tools as, as trainers is to buy, provide them tools so that when they're done with that sport, whether it is the sports done with them or they've decided I want to move on, that they can look at something else in life and be like, I'm going right to that. I'm going to ride my bike across the country. Well, the U.S. is kind of big. Yeah, like, yeah. like I don't want to cycle the length of Ireland and that would fit right. in your that's state <laughs> multiple right. times. I'm thinking about riding my bike to the store. That's such, a, <laughs> such an effort. <laughs> but, um, but that's, 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 that's the point. And the point should be proud of that as a trainer, but, and proud of that as, you know, as Sophie's parents, yeah. going, like my, my daughter is capable of doing whatever she wants to do. And we've supported her in a sense so that she feels confident yeah. to be able to go and do those things. And I think that like you said, like, like if you're done with sport or if sports done with you, and that's another point that no matter what sport you're going to play, eventually it becomes the competitive edge and the best player will play. I know as younger kids and all that, it's like it's all inclusive and everyone gets a game and everyone gets on, but eventually it will be the best player plays. And you can be dropped and I know of a player years ago uh, broke his arm uh, was playing rugby for the national team uh, broke his arm and he couldn't get back in time and the guy that replaced him took his place and he was literally like that's it you're done see you later bye bye sorry uh, about that you broke your arm well we have 10 more kids a year younger that don't have broken arms and they want your spot and they're hungry for it and I think that is as much as sports are inclusive, it will become a point where you're dropped. Like last year, we had one of our girls drop from the national team. Um, she just wasn't picked. No, she's remade the team. She put in the hard work. She changed what she was weaker at, and she's remade it. But she was like, that was a very hard experience for her. When, and that just goes to show, like, listen, you're great. We like it, but we want, we we don't want you. We want someone else that can can do it a little bit better than you. And I think that's. As you said originally, resilience. If kids don't have resilience, um, then it's going to hurt them when these things happen to them in sport. Well, if we if we take the model of professionalization being pushed down, first of all, it's being over. You start to see it being overdone yeah. with children. They're being over professionalized, and what I mean by that is that uh, if you if you go to a rugby team and they're, they're a professional rugby team. They'll play their season, and then their coaches you will usually mandate an off season. Like you yeah. are not allowed to pick up a ball for two months, and you are not allowed to do this. You, you go into the gym, you work out, go find something else to do, but don't you're not allowed to play rugby. Yeah, and you know with with kids now, they're told, you know what the season's over. There's going to be a spring league. There's going to be you know stuff between seasons. You can get a private coach to train you. So they're being over professionalized. So if we're taking that model and you're talking about professionalization coming down and being over-professionalized, then, then it doesn't make, then it makes sense that other things are going to start to seep down. Um, professional sports is a business. So yeah. if, if you run slower and your stats are, are than somebody else and your stats are worse than somebody else, you're cut. 
not it's not personal it's, it's a business yeah it's it's simply a business but that stuff starts to seep down into the into the kids range yeah. where, you start, you're training kids like the high-end athlete which right. again if it's a job as a high-end athlete it's like well i'll pay you such million a year if you perform if you don't perform you get dropped okay that's the deal and you walk in knowing that as a teenager, we want you to perform like the high-end athlete. We're not paying you anything, and you have to sacrifice everything. And then you end up broken, and um, you're brushed aside. Right. You're and and you are, um, you know, it is kind of the antithesis of what we envision a, a coach should be doing. A coach, like you know, a coach's job is always to look out for what is best for the child. Yes. And you know, when it was what's one of the one of the blessings of being a coach without a sport, in other words, you know, I'm the guy in the gym teaching people how to lift weights and move well, um, is that my job revolves around those kids getting better. Yeah. And it doesn't revolve around them winning something or being the best at something. It's just I got to prove that they're better from this month to this month to this month to this month. And I think that um, we start coming, we start pushing that professionalization down. Uh, coaches start to look at, well, I won't be able to coach next year if we don't have a winning season. This kid's going to, you know, I, I don't, I'm not going to spend the time with this kid because he's not going to produce for me. So I'll spend, and that becomes and, dangerous. And that can lead to like with a lot of, a lot of kids, especially younger kids or like a kind of pre-teens, teens that mightn't be the best at the sport, but it's not because they don't have the want or the drive. It's, they don't have the fundamental basic movements to understand how to move. And then you can teach them to, you can teach that to them and then they can excel when they're 13, 14, 15. They just need a little bit more attention because their body, they don't have the natural coordination in movement, which is a lot of people that we see don't have natural coordination, but then once they start finding out how to move, they understand it, it becomes easier for them. Then they start excelling in their sports. Um, and I think that, that that is a is a big aspect because kids or teens would be dropped too quickly without going, well, we what's wrong? Like the kid's got the heart, it's got the size, it's got the ability, just can't move well, can't run fast enough, what's wrong? And they're like, well, run faster. To run faster, run faster and run more often. Or as well, there's an imbalance there somewhere. So let's have a look at that and let's see what we can do. And like you can... And you see it time and time again, like a kid, like he's maybe 18, 19. The one that pops into my head all the time is like, and I know he's a bit of a, like a kook, but Dennis Rodman started playing NBA late basketball, very late in his career, and then made the NBA. And it's happened with rugby players in their like early 20s, eventually then make the national team or the province team. Um, but it, all through their teens, they were kind of looked down on or passed by, but they kept working and they developed, 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 and eventually because they got to work from the right people who believed in them, and eventually they got there. Um, I think that's a big thing that's overlooked, especially with kids that are not naturally coordinated, but if you put the work in with them, they learn how to move, they can, they can excel in most sports. Like, like, we, like you can see Duncan, and I, not that he wasn't naturally coordinated, or Sophie, they can walk on to most things and perform well. If they decided that one of them was going to be their be-all and end-all, they know how to train for that and they know how to avoid the overuse injury that comes with that as well because of their learning process and from learning in a brand X training center like the original, like mm -hmm. you guys. So, 
I think that's huge. Well, I think there's I think there's kind of a multi multi that that, that points multifaceted. Mm. Um, when you and then let's I'll swing back to the to that, but let's let's kind of discuss the the idea of you know um, children like like seeking the best uh, team lifter in you know in the nation at 13. Well, that self selects for kids who are born earlier in the year mm -hmm. and also self selects for kids who are, who, who, who have, uh, you know, who developed early. Yeah. So your, you know, your kid is the best, you know, I had the strongest kid at 14 years old at, you know, in, in X, Y, Z. Well, you know, that, that just doesn't, doesn't tell you that he's going to be good when he's 21. Yeah. Or 27 or, or, you know, it just tells me that he developed faster and he's stronger and bigger than the other kids at 13. Um, that's, a, that's not a healthy thing to pursue. Mm. And we need to, we, we kind of need to keep that in mind when we start talking about the, you know, like the fittest on earth. Yeah. You want to really, it's just not a healthy place to go when we're talking about the fittest 14 year old because yeah, that, that 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 puts a lot of pressure on the fourteen-year-old. Yeah, and also that fourteen-year-old might be there because they're just bigger and stronger than other fourteen-year-olds. You know that are you know they've had a whole another year. Maybe they were born earlier, so they've got a whole another year to develop. Yeah. Um, secondarily, your point to your point that that's uh, kind of back to the beginning of our discussion. You know, with with the introduction of more screen time, the the um, uh, taking out of PE out of out of schools um, in the U.S., what we're seeing is kids who have uh, lost access to the library of human movement. Yeah, and so you have these kids coming in who want to play a sport. They hit high school or they hit you know, secondary school, and they they go out for the sport, but they don't have all of the, all of the requisite movements, standard human movement that, that are necessary um, to play in that, to play safely in that sport. Yeah. And so they, they need a strength and conditioning and movement um, uh, uh, coach at the base of their, of their training. Like this is, I can teach you how to skip. I can yes. teach you how to bear crawl. I can teach you how to side shuffle correctly and safely. Um, and then we can work to make that your standard movement. Um, but problematically, kids are not coming into our gyms anymore with all of those movements. And like, as you said, like with the screen time, that's the, and again, this is something that you, like yourself and, and Brian Max, you speak about at seminars or any online webinar that we've done um, is that kids would be on a screen and then they go from doing nothing into sport, 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 and then back right. to doing nothing. So there's no actual play and a roughhousing. And even the article um, you shared from James uh, about being uh, a rough and tumble, like wrestling yeah. and just boys being boys. Yeah, it doesn't happen anymore, um, which is a huge aspect of development for kids. And it's a huge... It hugely leaves kids, or it, 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 it leaves kids vulnerable. Keegan um, made the point early on in the uh, Brandix uh, seminars that 
that because of these things, kids who play sport are actually more vulnerable than the kids who, who um, we might see as maybe overweight and not, and, and, not, um, and not doing anything or out of shape. And he said, you know, all the kids now spend time in this, you know, crunched over uh, position. Um, and then you take these, these kids who are athletic and you take them from school and they're doing their screen time, they take them from yeah. school, just like you said, and you plop them into a sport and now they're supposed to be athletic. And they're, you know, they're, um, uh, their bodies aren't ready for that. And it's, it's entirely our culture's fault. So we need to yes. find out how we're going to, how we're going to fix that. And, and it even, isn't, even I said, I was on uh, uh, the radio, the local radio the other day, and they were talking about, um, it was a podcast I did earlier about obesity in children. And they were saying, I, I actually got to the point I said, there, if we played and we played multi-sports and we did what we're meant to be doing as humans, there would be no need for me. And he and the, the presenter was like, "So you're, you're you would like to put yourself out of job? Well, if it was the case that the nation was better, yeah, there's always like obviously we'd work with like strength conditioning and stuff like that always. But if kids had multi multi play, multi sports, multi everything, and they were moving more the way we're designed to move, like they climbed, they ran, they rolled, they tumbled, did all that stuff, then like." It wouldn't we wouldn't really need to exist and that's for even for everyone like as adults there'd be no need for gyms if we were all as active as we're meant to be as we, as we should be yeah I well, know that's not the case but. i i um i grew up i was i was a child i was i was uh i grew up quite a long time ago and then when i went to elementary school in the 1960s that's way back when <laughs> um and the you know physical education was different when I was growing up, and I, yeah. you know, I first of all I had to walk to school ten miles both ways in the snow barefoot, but um, yeah. <laughs> you know, carrying 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 rocks because that's what we <laughs> rode on back then. Um, but we actually had a teacher who was who had learned about physical education and learned how to teach physical education to children come to our school two or three times a week, and and I remember we did. Um, all things we did. Uh, I did vaulting. We did rings. Mm -hmm. I did tum I did trampoline. We did tumbling. I you know we did uh, uh, track. I learned to throw the I learned to throw shot put discus when I was like five years old. I mean you know that's you know, or, or fifth grade, sixth grade, things like that. And and um, and those lessons stuck with me. Yeah. You know, um, like the first time I remember. Uh, the first time I'd seen rings since I was probably in primary school was when I was 43 and walked into my first uh, um, gym where they had rings. And someone said, hey, let's do a, a muscle up. And I did it the first time. Mm. Well, it wasn't because I was so strong and so great. It was because I'd had exposure back when I was a child. And I went, oh, yeah, here. Oh, and I got over the top and I went like, oh, I got to keep the rings close to me because it's unstable. And yeah. while everybody else was like falling all over the place, I kept the rings close and, and finished the movement. You knew but what to do, yeah. The, the, the point is, is that really what we're trying to, to encompass as Brandix coaches um, for our 
explore and, and uh, early express groups is to be PE teachers. We want to physically educate children. How do you, how do you control your body in space? Yes. How do you move? We, we hinge at the hip. We don't bend at the SI joint when we pick something up off the ground. Um, and then we want to apply that to, to things. So, you know, a kid who learns how to hinge at the hips can now learn how to throw something light, you know, explosively with the hips, you know, and, that, and that's taking it from a gym movement to something that we might do outside of the gym. So we want to be PE, PE teachers, and, I, and I'm not, um, I don't want a, a, a PE teacher to hear this and then go like, well, you're taking, you're, you know, I've gone through school and done a lot of, um, of uh, training to be a PE teacher. What I'm saying is we're physical educators teaching kids how to, to move well. Um, our gyms are not places where we're trying to get kids good at gymming. Yes. We want to be. We want to use the gym to be good at all the things outside of the gym, and that requires that kids move well, and then, and then they move safely, and then they're mm -hmm. strong enough to, to do the things that uh, they want to do. Yeah, I it's I think like personally, I think schools should be mandatory fitness um, every single day because we know that it helps their cognitive abilities. We know it helps their resilience during like anxiety, depression. We know exercise does this, but the, it comes back to that the person teaching it needs to be excited about it because if they're not excited about it, it's like I, like if you go to a Starbucks and the guy in Starbucks is like, hi, what you want? Yeah. What's exactly. your name? Do you want take away? You're not really sold on him, you know? And it's the same for schools. I think teachers, uh, physical education, you just need to be Hey, how are you? What can I get you today? Like, has to be because if you're excited about it, kids are going to be excited about it. You know? Well, let's start. I mean, I think part of our, part of that is, as a culture, we need to value physical education teachers. Yes. And really, yes. what we and really what we've done is go. Well, we value the math teacher way more than we value the physical education teacher. Mm. And what we need to understand, I think, as a culture, is that that great brain that, that wanders around that knows how to do that math. It's encompassed by the body that that physical education teacher teaches yes. how to be healthy and move well and and enjoy movement. Um, James uh, I, I, James was a PE teacher and and graduated with physical education and I think he speaks to this well. This is something that we as a culture need to change. We need to value what they do and that will help them then. Um, uh, um, be more excited about their job because yeah. We um, we just uh, got a new training center, the Fort Mojave uh, Tribe here in the U.S. Um, they built on their reservation. They built a school. They asked us to come over. They built a school across from their wellness center. So we'd gone in and taught the wellness center how to how to run Brandex classes for kids. And then they asked us to come in with uh, Dan Quisenberry from Brandex Nashville, and we came in and did a. Um, how to build PE using the Brandex method for the for the elementary school that built mm. across the street. So all of these um, uh, coaches and trainers at the wellness center go across the street, pick up the class, come into the wellness center. They, they kids kids uh, work out, and then they go back. They have PE every day, and it was interesting that the um, chairman of the tribe, the week before the school opened. Um, got a 
schedule of how the kids were going to work out, and each each grade was going to work out. So you know, third grade was going to work out twice a week. Yeah. And he marched over to the to the uh, school and said, "Oh no 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 no! Every day, every class goes into the wellness center every day, and they built some rooms specifically for age appropriate." They've got like a ninja room for preteens and teens. It's, yeah. it's unbelievable. They've got a they've got a, they've got um, trampolines outside, but they've got things kids enjoy to do, and then they can also come in and teach them how to move. And it's yeah. really um, it is a unique situation, but it's a model of what uh, PE could be and can be for kids. Yeah, well, I one hundred percent agree. I I do believe that if if you teach them that they can move their bodies, like again, like, and I know you've seen it over the years and I've seen it in my kids is we get kids that can't tumble and then they tumble and it's like, Oh my God. He's like, yeah, you can do so much. You, you actually have to potentially do pretty much anything. You just have to be willing to put in some work. Some things will be easy. Some things will be hard and teaching them that the hard part and that's the resilience. Um, is going to make them better. They're going to be better humans for it. They're going to just be stronger mentally, physically, and live a better, a, like at the end of the day, the goal for anyone I work with is to impact them to live a better life. Uh, so they, and so their body will allow them to have a better life. Um, but if you tell me you want to run a hundred mile race, I'm going to, well, you're going to probably get messed up doing that and training for it. I don't, think you should do it but that's your goal i'll advise you where to be but if i can send our kids now our kids that graduate to teens and our kids that are going to graduate to teens they come in and they just lift and they have fun and they enjoy just training they're not crazy sports specific they some of them play other sports but if they just it's i like going to the gym and i like socializing and i like exercising and if we go on a hike up Brayhead or we go to Glendalock, they're like, yeah, cool. No problem. And then they're like, do you want to run coach? I'm like, no, not really. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Everybody give me your water bottles. I'll carry the water bottles. Because <laughs> I didn't have that. Have <laughs> yeah, Jeff says that. It's in the coaching manual. Coaches qual- don't have to run. I qualify in the age bracket. Yeah. Well, I'm, just, yeah. I'm old enough. Yeah, the, the masters. Is there a master's division for this running? Yeah, that's funny. But it, it is true, and that's exactly what we hope for our coaches, right? That, yeah. they're, that they're impacting kids in that way, that they're building a tribe, uh, you know, within the within the culture of their of their gym where kids are coming in, that's what they're finding. Like, like, yeah. One of the things that, that um is so disturbing is if you, you watch them. And I know that I know it's happening where you are. You go to a coffee shop and there's a group of of five kids standing around and what are they all doing? They're all on their phone like this, standing in a circle. Yeah. Texting. And they're like, who are you texting? Well, I'm texting her. Well, why are you texting her? She's right there. And, and the cool thing about the, the, the gym is, you know, for that hour that they're there, one of the cool things about the gym is for the hour that they're there, they don't have their phone. Mm. They actually have to have interactions with each other. And then we can start to provide them the things that they don't get from free play anymore, and that they're losing from the from the uh, from you know being screen time. We can provide them opportunities to work together on things and to and to um, you know negotiate and figure out how they're going to you know accomplish a task together. 
Um, those are all psychological and sociological skills that are, are being lost that, that are necessary. I think you're going to talk to Mickey uh, next week about play, yeah. but yeah. And this is why these things are being lost is because kids just don't play anymore. Uh, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And if, if people are listening and I obviously with brand X, it is obviously brand X center and you can become a brand X coach for, for people that are listening that work with kids in any sport really, or a physical education teacher or they're a personal trainer or a gym owner. And they're thinking about trying to start it. Where would they go? What would be the first step for them to start on brand X? And we'll put all links below to, uh, to brand X in the, in the comments in the notes for the show. Well, I think that first you can find out an awful lot from our Instagram account. Yeah. So you know you can go there, and there's an awful lot of you know uh, discussion about what we're doing, who we are, and and, and then our, our so our our Instagram is you know at the Brandix Method. Our our website is thebrandixmethod.com. But we're really accessible. I mean, you can get a hold of us. I'm Jeff at thebrandixmethod.com. I'll answer emails. I'll set up Zoom calls and talk to people. That's kind of my job at this point. Cool. Uh, and as I said, we will we'll link everything uh, below. But um, Jeff, uh, firstly, thank you very much for being on the show. This is the first show that we're doing. Uh, the Live, Live, Play podcast is powered by the Brandex Method. And we have a whole host of shows coming along with some great uh, great conversations coming up and we're going to have Jeff back on. We have Mickey, we have, and everyone else associated with the brand X method or is just helping kids perform and be better humans. We're going to have these on the show. Uh, we're hoping to kind of launch about like at least two a month that will be powered by the brand X method, which should be kid specific or teen specific. Um, but Jeff, thank you very much for being on the show. And guys, if you please like and subscribe to Podbean, Spotify, and YouTube. And uh, we'll see you all soon.